0: The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11.
1: On the line now, we've got Simon Ramsey, former MP for Western Victoria. Good morning, Simon.
0: Yeah, good morning, Mitchell, and good morning to your listeners.
1: It's a bit of a tough day today we're sort of yo-yoing in and out of lockdown we've had you know a week off lockdown then a couple of weeks in lockdown then another week off lockdown and I think that sort of in and out going from freedom to the very toughest of restrictions is starting to take its toll we didn't really have to confront this last year well
0: that's true and I, I just think the weekend has been really difficult for a lot of people I mean in western or regional Victoria, of course, we um, haven't had lockdown. And then we heard the news at 11 o'clock on Saturday that we had two hours to get our fares in order before we get locked down for potentially a month. So um, and I thought that was disgraceful. I, I actually meet a number of business people uh, for a coffee on a Saturday morning talking about worldly matters. And, um, you know, there was bookings in restaurants and pubs and music gigs and a whole range of hospitality activities that were happening for the Saturday night and um, they were actually given hardly any time at all to prepare for the lockdown and obviously there was a lot of waste in um, food and drinks and of course a lot of money being lost because um, a lot of the sort of music activities didn't go ahead as an example I'm sure there's plenty of other examples where people have lost um, a huge amount of money uh, given the very short notice of the lockdown that was announced on Saturday.
1: Yeah, I wonder where all that food went if a restaurant ordered in steaks and those sorts of expensive items on the basis that they had bookings for the Saturday night and suddenly they've been told, no, uh, you've got to shut down. And the Premier says they had no choice. They had to do it because the Delta variant moved so quickly. But I just wonder what happened to all of that perishable food.
0: Well, I don't know. I assume it was chucked out, Mitchell. I don't believe the Andrews government had to move that quickly. I would have thought at least allowed till five, six or seven that night for businesses to be able to sort of acclimatise with the restrictions or make provision for the restrictions which would reduce the, the loss, both financial and physical, um, in, in you know, their businesses. Uh, you know, I appreciate the, the area of concern was the Greater Shepparton area and um, that was being very... um strongly monitored but there was nothing uh i'm aware of perhaps a little river if that's now being uh caught in the sort of city of greater geelong um catchment but uh, i wasn't aware of any um, transmission activity down our way so i thought it was very hard to suddenly lock down regional victoria with only two hours notice for many many people
1: my understanding is the Little River situation, uh, all of those cases were in isolation for their whole infectious period, so they weren't actually out in the community.
0: Yeah, I, I suspect it was perhaps more motivated by both politics and weather. They were concerned, obviously, with the um, um, you know, potential of a you know, a warm day, people being out and about, that they wanted to curb the sort of mobility uh, in regional Victoria, and they certainly did that with the lockdown.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, the, the situation that we're in now, I mean, we've been told that we're having short, sharp lockdowns. But as I said at the start of the program, since May the 28th, Metropolitan Melbourne has spent 45 days in lockdown and 42 days out. So they've spent more time in lockdown than out, and that'll just get worse over the coming weeks. Uh, so it's not really short, sharp lockdowns. We actually have to come to terms with the fact that these are, in a lot of cases, prolonged lockdowns.
0: Well, that's true. I mean, it's crushing for a lot of people. I think I flagged with you last time we spoke that particularly for young parents with young kids, um, um, and I, I said at the time, you know, I have two daughters with very young children, and um, I, I'm seeing through them now the impact, particularly one who lives in Victoria, um, the impact it's having not only to her and her husband, but also the kids, not having that social activity and being, uh, you know, put in lockdown on a on sort of a rolling basis. It's really starting to affect them, and that it might well affect them in, you know, the whole life. This is the the nurturing years, the exploring years, the socialisation years of kids, sort of three year old to eleven. It really does have a significant impact for the rest of their life. So. We're actually affecting their lives forever in what we're doing at the moment, and restricting activity and social activity for the young ones. But um, apart from that, um, you know, it's having a significant mental um, problem for many of us uh, that are continually in these long lockdowns. As you said in Melbourne, they've almost adjusted to the fact that they're in lockdown for a long period of time, but. The short, sharp ones are becoming longer and longer, aren't they? I understand the government's flagging now. We may well and most possibly go post the 2nd of September for the current uh, lockdown right across Victoria. So that's not giving us a lot of hope.
1: Well what didn't augur well was this morning the DHS uh, puts out the figures as they do each day and previously they've said what number of those cases have actually been in isolation their entire infectious period. This morning they didn't even tell us uh, what proportion of those 71 uh, locally acquired cases were in isolation so I don't know if they're not telling us does that mean it's bad news and there've been people out spreading it, which means if there have been people out spreading it of that 71, um, odds aren't great given previous track record and Delta that will be out of it by the 2nd of September.
0: Yeah, well, that's true. I mean, I, I, I mean, I have so many questions, like many other people, Mitchell, about um, the government's reasoning and the health advice for doing certain things, and I think the fact that Parliament has been shut down, and I understand there was concern about um, potential transmission, but, you know, you think with this day and age we could do uh, and carry out... Um, our parliament um, online and allow some transparency and questioning of the government's reasons for doing certain actions because as we saw on the weekend I thought the protests were absolutely disgusting and disgraceful uh, the way that um, some of those in those press protest groups right across the country behave particularly uh, to our law officers but also to the public generally in uh, putting them at risk by their by their actions but the frustration is building so much now and we have so much lack of scrutiny in the current governments, the state governments particularly um, that won't allow Parliament to sit and, and have some of those questions asked of our uh, ministers in respect to the advice they're receiving and also the actions they're taking and see how they correspond.
1: Um, I'm just wondering, you've been in government, so you have an idea of what it's like to deal with the media. Is there a better way to do announcements about lockdowns than what we currently do? Because the way this one happened, for example, on Friday night, they released a statement just saying close community sport, but didn't say anything else, just said we're very concerned. Then in the morning, no one says anything. And then you're just reading on Twitter, uh, journalists uh, spreading leaks and saying there's going to be a lockdown so you're really relying on the journalists leaking the information first uh, before you actually get that official announcement is there any other way of doing it that's a bit better than that because at the moment it seems like there's a long vacuum before there's the actual final announcement and uh, people then get on edge and are worried and then rumors start to spread like there was a rumor going around that takeaway coffee would be banned which uh, was just about the end for some people.
0: Well, it does feel like we're almost puppets, doesn't it? The government is using us as puppets in that they're trying to prepare us for bad news. Then they're putting out through leaks, um, whether it's through the media or, or other sources, you know, some of the potential worst-case scenarios. Then they sort of make a, an announcement down the track that's not quite as bad, so we're feeling a bit better about it. Uh, I just think from a psyche point of view, we're being used... Uh, by the government, and I think they all do. I think New South Wales is no better. The the sort of um, gold-plated pandemic response that uh, the Prime Minister keeps referring to as as New South Wales being the example, I think the way that they're actually even announcing um, some of their restrictions is just totally chaotic. Um, to, To not wear masks up until and only today when they've had six, seven hundred, eight hundred cases by the general public um, outdoors, is just—it's uh, incomprehensible, actually, Mitchell. Because all the public health advice we have be, been giving or been getting is that masks do help reduce transmission. Yet New South Wales, up until only today, um, have not enforced the use of masks outside. I mean that doesn't make sense to me
1: it's very strange that the advice can be so wildly different in two fairly similar states
0: and the borders i don't know if you saw the article in the australian but we have victorian families that have um, students um, uh, working in ag colleges across the border and they're not able now to um, come back into victoria and of course there seems to be a lack of um, goodwill between the two governments to provide some sort of access back to their families across the border, even if they're willing to do quarantine or be double vaccinated, uh, double vaccinated. It just, I don't know, it just seems to be an unwillingness to try and, um, accommodate, uh, some of the issues that are coming that are affecting families right across the board. And I just think the messaging is terrible. I think even from the, The federal government the messaging has been terrible we have uh, you know an accumulation of stock of astrazeneca um, but it appears as an unwillingness by the public to want to use that stock and or they can't get access to it and you talked about bookings at the ford factory Um, i tried to book to the ford factory i was due for one on the 1st of september with a 12-week interval between my first jab and i wasn't able to get a booking until the end of september and then uh, just by pure luck, I happened to be walking past a heightened pharmacy, and I saw they were taking uh, bookings for um, vaccinations. So I just wandered in and booked online there and then, and I was booked in within about four minutes. Oh, so the pharmacies are actually playing a crucial role in um having the vaccine accessible but also having a place to where you can have it accessible and easy now and I think that's fantastic.
1: I don't understand what's going on and I said it in the first hour if there's stock going to waste and I'm being told by Bowen Health and the state government through Christine Cousins yes there are appointments available today at Bowen Health why are so many people saying they can't get appointments um, for a number of weeks in a lot of cases?
0: Well, I was advised when um, I actually put this on Facebook that I had trouble booking into the Ford factory is that many people just walk in uh, early in the morning or, you know, not the peak hours, and they go straight in. So I'm not sure the online booking service, particularly for those larger hubs, um, are that accurate. And I think you've got to be on them all the time to rebook and rebook to get to a date where, you know, you feel more confident that you're getting the best Interval between your first and second vaccine, or your first vaccine. I can't understand why no one's had their first vaccine yet. The the vaccine's out there, and the publicity has been um, such that you know everyone must know now how important our uh, vaccination is to reduce transmission and reduce cases of this uh, delta virus. So I, I just think perhaps the online service is not the be and the end all, and it's got some faults, and you just need to keep trying and trying. But having pharmacies, GPs and others now administering. I see now there's drive-ins, a bit like getting McDonald's. You can get a vaccine virtually on the spot as you drive into a vaccination hub. So it is getting easier.
1: Yeah, that's a great idea, I think, and it should work well because I know they do it over in the US a fair bit and I think in the UK. Um, With lockdowns and business opportunities, how are businesses adapting? I mean, you say that you've been talking to people in the business community uh, on a weekly basis. How are they finding things?
0: Well more in the retail. Hospitality is really hard because I think people just don't have capacity to be able to judge when when we're going into lockdown Uh, and even now as you said before the government's already making noises about potentially some of the takeaway opportunities for small business. Uh, Hospitality may well be uh, restricted as well but certainly online shopping. I'm just hearing from Uh, friends and family and others, uh, business people, that they're actually, their online business is doing better than it ever has before. In fact, uh, some of the retail figures coming through are as good as pre-COVID. So, obviously, there is opportunities there um, to boost your business online and certainly, I think people generally are supportive of buying online, knowing that that those businesses have have been facing difficulty not being able to have uh, shopfront uh, access. So, I think online uh, entrepreneurs, I know people are getting into Instagram now a lot in selling their business and um, obviously other social mediums. So uh, it's not all doom and gloom. There are businesses making money, particularly in retail, and they're doing it online and they're sort of using all the available resources. There's a lot of small business development groups uh, that are helping and supporting small business right across the region and tapping into one of those, uh, I think it would be very helpful those particularly those uh, startup businesses that are, are struggling to find some momentum in the um, the uh, online sales.
1: Well, good to finish on a positive there. Thank you very much for being on the program. Who knows where we'll be when we speak in two weeks' time. Um, I think we have to be realistic and suggest that the lockdown will probably go longer than the second, uh, but let's hope I'm wrong.
0: Yeah, and I hope also, Mitchell, I've just tapped in. Obviously, my business now requires a permit, which I don't have, but the small business grants and the money that's supposed to be flowing from the Victorian government and federal government into those uh, uh, businesses or um, workers that are in lockdown now, uh, you go online now and you actually can't access it because the lockdown dates for regional Victoria haven't come through the uh. MyGov site Centrelink. So, you know, it's a wait. A, a, a lot of businesses actually are not getting the funding support that has been promised through both state and federal governments um, because of the slowness of, um, uh, you know, the dates, of the lockdown dates of being put into the system.
1: Yeah, well, that's a problem, and hopefully they get their act together ASAP, given that it's now Monday and they've you know, got presumably staff on board to update it. Let's hope they do that, because I think a lot of businesses would have their backs to the wall and would need that money flowing through ASAP.
0: And their employees. I mean, the businesses might get the um, business support. but what about the employees, particularly the casuals? With no job keeper, they're sort of in a no-man's land.
1: Very, very, very tough. Thank you very much. Um, Simon Ramsey there, former MP for Western Victoria. The Mitchells Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong
0: Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11.